Hi, welcome to another episode of the Imaginally True Change podcast with Prashant Goel. We are on to special episode five, the fifth of five in this series with Nita Baum of Be Free. And we have spoken about being free, being gifted, being equal, being in power. Today, we are going to speak about being grounded. And I am thrilled that we have done this series. I'm excited for what lies in front of us today, and I'm sure it's going to be another good time. Welcome, Nita. Any opening remarks? Thank you. I'm so grateful. I feel so excited that we have had this opportunity to do this series that we have today as one more to round out the five values of Be Free. And I thought I'd also share that it's funny that I'm to spatially orient our uh, our listeners. I'm seated on the ground, and I'm feeling myself literally on the ground of a of a new apartment that I live in. That's actually on the ground floor and has a garden, which feels very apropos as part of the experience of of doing this series together and focusing on being grounded today. So. Thank you so much. You're actually one of the people in my life who I feel both centers and grounds me. And I feel so in community with you, which as we'll get into as part of this value, it's been such a rich and deep pleasure, joy and learning experience to have conversations that matter with you. So thank you. <laughs> and that obviously goes both directions here, Neats, and uh, and thrilled to do it one more time in this series. I'm going to start by reading the text as articulated by Nita and Be Free here about being grounded. We tend to our mind and body with care and integrate healthy practices. We support ourselves and each other to face and embrace fear, change, and uncertainty. We are the strongest ground we have. Wonderful. Neats, you want to get us started with that? Yeah. And actually, I thought I might start by inviting our listeners and both of us to just take a moment to close our eyes and inhale. And just feel the parts of your body that are connected to the ground and if it's not a literal ground because you're sitting somewhere and your feet are swinging just the parts of you that are held or supported by something around you behind you beneath you and just notice and feel the places where your body makes contact with those surfaces you can just breathe into any parts of your body in the moment where your awareness is a little sharper, either because there's pain or discomfort, or perhaps it's because it's a space that actually feels really good and open. And lastly, I'll just ask you to connect with yourself. You can interpret that how you choose. For me, I like to bring my awareness to the bottom of my feet. 
feel my feet ground into the earth and kind of travel up through my center and feel my center, the inner spaces of myself. And if you're traveling with me, you can travel up through your stomach, my navel, to your chest, and your ribs and your lungs. As you keep breathing, bring your awareness up into your throat. Up through behind your third eye, the center of your eyebrows. And then up to the very top of your head, where I invite you to envision a light that spreads outside of you and washes over you. Drop your chin to your chest whenever you're ready. Shake it out a little bit. Open your eyes. And lift your head on an inhale. And that is a taste of some of the grounding and healthy, simple practices that we incorporate into Be Free, no matter the work that we're doing, whether it's with individuals or organizations. Shant, if you'd like to share a little bit about your experience of that practice, I welcome it. Yeah, well... I'm grateful for helping the audience to understand that and myself um, experientially because we could talk about the practices and we've talked a lot about practices, but to just take a moment, whether you're familiar with that sort of practice or that may be newer to you, it's great just to see how easy it is to feel more present, more centered, more calm, and how that practice can develop over time with a basic amount of commitment. And some of my friends and I have been studying mindfulness more closely recently in a professional context. And one of my friends who's been practicing meditation and Tai Chi for a number of years said a couple of pretty interesting things. He said, at the beginning of the 20th century, dentists had to go around and tell people that it was good to brush their teeth. And I feel like that helps us put it in perspective, take an evolutionary stance that in a century from now, everybody's going to be meditating. It's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be anything that anybody has a second thought. It's going to be as natural as brushing our teeth. Another analogy that he made was meditating or breathing is breathing consciously is like telling athletes that it's good to drink water and stay hydrated. And this, for people who practice it, it's, it's so clear. And it's great that 
so much neuroscience has developed around uh, practices like these. Um, and I know that you're referring to a broader set of practices, but we're just starting with meditation here. It's great that for people who like to have that verification coming from a scientific perspective, that what happens inside the brain in terms of, we won't go into it today, but just in terms of the amygdala and the neocortex, what happens in that is the science just totally backs up that this is just good for human beings to do. And so I think it's nice to have the experiential taste and then realize that our growing set of knowledge as human beings just supports that this, this is valuable, this is precious, this can help us lead better lives. Yeah, I love, I love all of that. I love the focus on, you know, another thing that stands out about brushing your teeth or hydrating yourself is they are very simple, accessible practices. And there's something about the simplicity and accessibility about them that, or to them, that makes them both very powerful and also really easy to commit to, you know, to your point, part of our focus and, you know, the idea of integration of healthy practices is one is to take like an experimental attitude to it. So, you know, exposing ourselves to a variety of possible ways to practice well-being in, in that lies the opportunity to discover what works for us. So I happen to really dig meditation and in particular, I happen to really like breath work. And one of the things that I always find that stands out about these practices too, is like, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me that you can, you can direct your awareness to a part of yourself. Like right now, if I just say, you know, bring your awareness to your left toe. It's incredibly powerful that you can do that. You can actually move your awareness and place it somewhere. If I say, bring your awareness to your heart space and, you know, imagine breathing into it, whether you feel that viscerally or that's just something that your mind does, it speaks a lot to ultimately the idea that we can support ourselves, which is to say we have a lot of, untapped and tapped potential in the ways in which we navigate and respond to ourselves, our own emotions, you know, to stimuli, incoming stimuli, whether it's something a freelance client says to you or your partner says to you or something that you observe as you're walking down the street. You can literally sort of choose to either run away with a set of thoughts or like Instead, like feel your feet on the ground and, you know, bring your awareness to your heart space and then sort of watch what happens to the way that you move through that experience. And I encourage an experimental view. It's like, it's, a, it's really about discovering for yourself what, what you would like to integrate. Yeah, I feel, you know, I've not had a client yet who I offered some sort of meditative practice support who didn't come to really appreciate it. And, um, and I think that's the thing is each person 
How should it be any other way than each person defines for themselves what is supportive, but that they engage and experiment with things that maybe are new is something I would definitely encourage just because that's how our experience grows. That's how our possibilities expand. And I'm recognizing the second sentence of this beyond integrating healthy practices, which I just love that it comes up here because we've talked so much about practice in this five-part series. But um, And I'm also just appreciating that as we speak, I feel experientially with the way you open the session, I feel a frequency of groundedness in this conversation. And, um, and that's really beautiful. And, and I'm also just recognizing now, as we go into the second sentence in this articulation, uh, you know, fear, change, and uncertainty, which I haven't met anybody yet who doesn't have challenges with these things. This is part of the human experience. And where the first sentence and the second sentence connect in my experience, in my estimation, is that as we do these practices, as we give ourselves a chance to support ourselves and to find ways to augment our health of body and mind, we notice that our identification with fear changes and that we have more ability to witness fear rather than fear take over us. And that is so powerful, the first moments or any moment, because it happens all along the way as you work with these practices, that each moment where you notice a narrative of fear and it isn't your reality, but just something that you watch as a narrative pass through your mind, as an emotion that passes through your body, is such a victory. It's so great. It's like, ah, that thing that until now has been part of my reality, has been part of my identity, has been part of my experience, has been part of my perception. In that moment, I gain power over that narrative and I have the freedom to choose something differently. And I, I, I have the freedom and I'm in my power, you know? So connecting to the other two, two of the other values, how this groundedness connects with those and how, how there's a path of overcoming fear. And for most people who haven't had a chance maybe to experiment with these practices yet, I can affirm that fear runs very deep in the human system and, and that, that it's, it's such a treasure to know that there are methods and systems and bodies of knowledge and practices which support us growing into greater and greater amounts of our strength. And that's absolutely so much about being grounded because it could not be more practical. Mm, totally. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a great point. Wow, there's, that was very rich. <laughs> there's so much I want to say about this. Um, so I'm going to riff and play a little bit. So, you know, I think I've said before that 
part of B3's response to the state of healthcare and wellness in the world, right? Like the systemic agenda, as I like to uh, raise um, when it comes to being grounded, is that we have the very, you know, at our fingertips, at the tip of our nose, at the tip of our toes, like this really simple, accessible set of methodologies and opportunities to tap into our own healing potential and to proactively invest in our well-being. And, you know, hashtag self-care, you know, everybody's talking about <laughs> self-care these days. Like to me, self-care is, is proactive health care, right? It's not like our healthcare system, which has a lot of really wonderful things about it, also has been toward being reactive and to get equipped to navigate through the very powerful experience of becoming free and becoming who you are, which is a process where you will certainly encounter yourself. And to your point, Prashant, you will encounter, in encountering yourself, you'll encounter fear and uncertainty very strongly. Though, you know, it may manifest in all sorts of ways. It may manifest as anxiety and irritability and anger and uh, feelings of discomfort in general and uh, vulnerability, and just some general sense of like stress or something. Underlying a lot of that is fear. And so another kind of element that sort of ties together our systemic response is like, how do you go to the source as opposed to the symptom, right? And that's another way to understand the ground. Like we are the source, our, our well-being to some extent you could think of is the, it's the source. It's the source of, it could be the source of illness and it can also be the source of healing. And anyway, that's, that's sort of one interpretation of the notion of, of ground and, and kind of the idea that if we tap into our root potential, right? Like what we sort of come with, the power to open ourselves up into our power, into our equality, into our gifts and ultimately into our freedom is like it's unleashed in that space another piece of this too is that the use of we support ourselves and each other that it's about we and ourselves like these are practices that you can do walking down the street by yourself right um and at the same time like part of but what I don't want to leave out when we think about our well-being from a holistic perspective is the nature of our relationships, how we are in community, what we receive. Um, those are all really powerful elements that are grounding forces in our lives. Whatever home means to you, whatever family means to you, whatever you know, community means to you, whatever ground means to you. Um, I think relationships are a very significant part of that. And, you know, part of, part of the point is you can both tap into yourself and into each other as a source of grounding and support, especially as you're navigating fear and uncertainty and change. Um, well, yeah, I feel... One of the biggest challenges 
any of us has to deal with is the ways in which we feel ourselves to be separate or isolated or so different than others. And it's interesting because whether you're a minority or not, in some way, you know, it seems that it's a theme that occurs in my conversation so often, how people in one way or another always feel themselves to be so different than everybody else, mm. you know? And and that sense of otherness that starts, I think, from such a young age that somehow maybe everybody else has some some knowledge that's secret that we don't have or something like that. And uh, and so that's that's the preciousness of community is when it starts opening our eyes to whatever our differences may be. And of course, there are many, many healthy differences that each of us have, but where we overplay differences in our own minds and our own interpretations of ourselves, that's where community becomes so valuable because it starts revealing the richness of our shared experience. And, and the humanness being human, you know, and, and what we have, how much there is in common because of that. And there's, there is so much groundedness in community. And, you know, for example, the community you referenced that we share is there's been so many times during my journey for people who may or may not be familiar with me, I stepped out of traditional society to a pretty large extent and was traveling the world and doing a lot of unconventional things. And Nita was really, has been such an anchor in my life. Like every time I returned to the United States, every time I checked back in, always spent time with her. It was like one of the friendships that I really maintained during a long period of exploration. And I had to go... And, and I mean, this is ongoing, but I've gone very far into myself in, in my own sense of, wow, well, you know, because I didn't have references for what I was doing. It was very unusual and it felt very challenging. There was a lot of cognitive dissonance. And the community that came through Nita, the acceptance that came through Nita has been such a supportive force in my life. And that's exactly about you know, if I'm more identified with the outer levels of my personality, with the things that are more on the surface, which include even the actions I'm taking and the story that I'm creating in my life, then, then I invite that differentness to dominate my narrative, you know? But coming back and connecting and just being human with a friend and being connected in the heart totally changes that experience and gives me the strength to keep walking mm. forward. That's so mm. beautiful and powerful. And I just have to, I just have to tell you yesterday, we had a day where the co-creators came together we were going very deep on the program and it was a beautiful experience of co-creating in community, helping support each other on, deepening and refining our modules as we get ready for the fall launch of the program. And we were talking at some point, I was talking to Jahan, who's one of our co-creators, who is a co-founder along with Wei Wen Gao of Project Inkblot. 
which among other things uh, has, a, has a sort of signature focus that they call design for diversity. And, you know, we were talking about identity and she actually said almost exactly verbatim what you said, Prashant, about the notion that in some form or another, everybody feels like other. And it's fascinating because if you think about it, if we're in a space of community where we can acknowledge that each of us feels like other, and you could argue to some extent that the roots of feeling like other are in our fear and are in our uncertainty and our vulnerabilities, then it becomes this opportunity for recognizing the power of turning toward that fear and that uncertainty, because that is actually the very root of where we share our humanity. Like part of our kinship lies in the shared experience of fear. And it's so interesting to me because accordingly, part of the opportunity for community lies in turning toward each other in our moments of fear and uncertainty and in turning toward ourselves. You know, and I think your story really encapsulates that. It's like, and it speaks to, again, the power of, we can say relationships, but I love the simplicity of the idea of just friendship. Some of this conversation is also when we, when we talk about this in the program, like part of the focus, the intention of the focus is to be about what do you already do that is grounding for you? Because if we're navigating the world and we're here right now in this moment, we're all doing things. We all have practices that are grounding. So part of the question, and I, I pose this to the audience to pause and think about for a moment, is like, what do you do when you are feeling uncertain or afraid? What grounds you at any given moment? Who do you turn to? What do you turn to? And the purpose there, just like with the awareness exercise that we started at the beginning, is to make explicit to ourselves what is implicit. And the moment we make something explicit, the moment we can observe it, as you said earlier, Prashant, like we can make it a practice. We can become very deliberate and intentional about it. This is amazing. I mean, what comes up for me as you speak about it is, as you speak about all this, is you know, M. Scott Peck wrote a classic book on community building called The Different Drum. And in his, in his book, he lays out a sequence of, of uh, four parts where how a community takes shape. And it starts with chaos it moves into pseudo community and then it goes into a third part, which I'm not remembering how he terms it, but it's more or less this kind of grown zone where the masks have come off and there's kind of like this destabilizing force. And then the fourth part is true community. And my feeling is that how this connects to being grounded is that being grounded is intimately connected with being truthful and being real. And so often we're masking our sense of otherness. We're defending against our sense of otherness. We're protecting ourselves from it because we think there's something inherently inside us that's inadequate or not good enough. We're all dealing with that on some level. And we're, and we're trying 
to pretend like we're not dealing with that on some level. And so we're terribly ungrounded, actually, when to the extent that we're fighting that. And so we're living in pseudo-community because everybody's wearing um, in a generalized way. And I know there's many people doing work that lies beyond this, but in a generalized way, the prevailing norm is to be wearing the mask and to be wearing armor inside society as citizens and inside organizations as employees and even inside relationships as husband and wife. This is happening. And so when we take this off and we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, we have the courage to say, this is my truthful human experience. We move towards real community because we're saying, you know what? This is what it is to be human. And we're not pretending otherwise. We're being real about it. And we're giving ourselves a chance to experience life in a completely different way to the extent that we have the courage to share that with each other. And that makes community so precious because you build a field together of courageousness and vulnerability and truth. And light comes through the truth. The darkness is, of fear is dissipated when people are willing to say, this is the truth of my human experience. Can you please relate to me as I am? Wow. Oh, you're so brilliant. Sorry, guys, I just had to, <laughs> I had to make that statement. It's such a brilliant place to put it. And, and um, it's another tiny window into a practice that I like to do is I just notice where in my body the term true community, where I could feel that. Uh, I do this practice where I just, you know, when something strikes me, I now try to pay attention to where in my body it actually strikes me because, or it arises. Um, and for me, the body is such a powerful entry point for a dialogue with my emotions. And to some extent, the way I think about it is for a dialogue with my subconscious, my spirit, some other version of myself than the one I'm generally conscious of. And I felt it in my, in the back of my neck, in my spine. And it was so lovely. Um, mm -hmm. It was such a warm feeling. It was almost like I leaned back into it. And I think it really struck me, um, for one, because on a personal level, you know, part of why yesterday with the co-creators was so powerful is I have never, and this makes me feel vulnerable to share, but I've never thought of myself as a community builder, you know, and yesterday I was like, I was like, I think that's one of the things I am. You know, and it's this like initial burgeoning sense of what that is, because when I watched folks in community, we literally what I've been feeling like is this, it's this process outside of myself. But I realized that, like, no, I'm connected to this process as well. And it is hard. It's hard to say that it's hard to acknowledge it. So to some extent, I know that it's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was really fascinating. There was this beautiful part of what made us go so deep was just like, you know, the fervor and the exuberance in really wanting to share and impart with our, you know, future cohort members and our future community members, really what we've learned in a way that's very powerful. And it kept leading to this space where it was like, there was this mutual gentle prodding of each other to be more self-expressed, to be more 
vulnerable to share, you know, everybody kept giving everybody else the feedback of like, when you're trying to make this point, you know, about a legal issue or about social media or navigating a client issue, like speak from your own experience of story. And literally we would all kind of respond like, Oh, that makes me feel a little vulnerable, but it's like, that's great. Uh, all this enthusiasm for, for deepening and refining the modules. We were, it's like, everybody was like, share your story and share an example of that time. And the reaction that evoked itself was one of vulnerability. It's like, Oh, for me to actually share my story that I'm sharing with you here, is that okay? You know, is it okay to be like, and how, and I'm, am I going to feel uncomfortable? And it was really interesting. You know, my whole thing with be free with ourselves, with wherever we are moving through the world is just simply about the power of meeting ourselves where we are. And I think, one of the ways in which we can be grounded is you, you've alluded to this earlier. It's just, it's an acceptance of where we are at any given moment. Like you don't actually need to be anywhere else other than here. Wow. The power of being where we are. Yeah. I heard this great quote actually, and it was humorously said it was um, it's not, it's not irritating to be where we are. It's irritating to want to be somewhere different. <laughs> and I always like that one. But that, yeah, and that's so great. And that's beautiful to hear that you guys had that experience together in New York in, in advance of the launch, building that together, that community, the vulnerability, the willingness to explore that space and really beautiful, truthful, authentic, honest way. I can really appreciate that. And, and so we can see here all these interconnections between practices, fear, self-acceptance, community, vulnerability, and how that all comes together in groundedness. And how we've traveled a trajectory together through these four other values to arrive here. And I have to say, honestly, that my feeling is that we're very grounded in this conversation, just as we mm. felt very in power in our last conversation. And so there's something really precious in the feeling of, of being supported by life to, to also not just speak about these values cognitively, but to experience them and realize them through our, our conversation and to enjoy the, the preciousness of these values. So that's been very much our experience here. And I, and I really hope for sure that that's our, the experience of our audience. And I am going to trust that it is. And so we're coming to a close here with, with this five part series. And of course, as always, we could go on and on because these are very rich and beautiful topics and we enjoy hearing ourselves talk about them. So, <laughs> um, so true. But, uh, and I enjoy hearing you talk about them for sure, Nita. And, um, and so, so I think that's it for today. And, and you haven't heard the last of us on these five values and, and other topics connected to be free and the systemic agenda that both imaginally and be free share as well as a wide, 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 wide range of people, known and unknown, present, historical, and future, 
working for the upliftment of what is beautiful in humanity. And that's very much about being grounded as well. So thank you to our audience. Thank you for sticking with us through these five conversations. Thank you so much, Nita, for joining me and giving, giving the, helping create this space to have these conversations that matter. And deep honor and respect for the community and the offering that you're building in the world with the help of some really beautiful people. Mm. Thank you so much for this co-creative opportunity. And for me, it has very much been a grounding experience. It's been this opportunity to get grounded in the values of our community. It's been an experience of creating, co-creating a space. You know, we really, this was very much a, a joint exploratory endeavor and it's been incredibly generative. Um, and maybe I'll just end with our tagline, which is ground down to rise up and be free. Ground down to rise up and be free. So that's all she wrote on this five-part series, my friends. Thank you for joining us. All the best as you get out there and do your thing in the world. Check out BeFree.Live to learn more about the programs that Nita's offering, along with her community of brilliant and uh, generous people. And all the best. Namaste. Thank you. Namaste.